kids are great because they don't have the uh, burden of the expectation of, oh my gosh, I should be so much better. Uh, they have imagination. They just you know, let it come out. Today, I have a guest, Stephen Schneider, and we will be discussing his middle grade fiction and a few other topics. Stephen writes is S.A. Schneider, and he is a purveyor of fantasy and a travel guide for kids to explore the many worlds found in books. Anyone who has a wolf should be a writer or fantasy writer, right? Yes. So enjoy the adventure. Welcome to the Writing Pursuits podcast, where authors like you discuss writing craft, author life, and book marketing strategies. I'm your host, Catherine McKee. I own Writing Pursuits and write and produce the weekly newsletter, Writing Pursuits Tips for Authors. In addition, I am a speculative fiction author. Writing Pursuits is for authors who drink too much coffee, endure judgmental looks from their furry writing companions, and struggle for words. If you are a writer seeking encouragement, information, and inspiration, this podcast is for you. Let's get to it. Hey, Writing Pursuits authors, welcome back to the podcast. To those of you who are new, I want to extend a special welcome. My name is Catrice McKee, and I'm glad you're here. Please leave a comment, a star rating, and follow the show to help others find Writing Pursuits. Uh, Stephen, welcome to Writing Pursuits. And do you really have a wolf? Yes. Uh, hi, Catrice. Uh, yes, actually, I do. Uh, his name's Hunter. Hunter Moon Moon is his full name. <laughs> Hunter Moon Moon. Yes. I love that. Well, the one that you see in the background, her name is Luna. So, or uh, really Stella Luna. She's named after the bat in the you know right, book. Right. And uh, but we call her Luna all the time. She's like right. and then her bro is here down beside me, and his name is uh Tigger, and he's a big old plot hound. So, you know, they kind of vie over the chair. Who <laughs> gets it, to yeah. sit there? And uh, he has to lay on the bed. <laughs> my my boxer's asleep over here, so you may hear some snoring. <laughs> ah, that sounds right. Yeah, They're my writing companions. So what would I do without them? Um. Anyway, so why did you start writing, and what is your most recent pro- project? Um, I started writing. It was like a lot of writers. I've thought about it forever. Uh, you know, um, I, I had ideas uh, about five years before I started, but it was, I don't think I could do this. I could never write great. And then uh, there were like three things that happened all within a week that it was kind of like signs from the universe that, Hey, get off your butt. You really should do this. So I listened and I've been writing since. So can you share those signs? It sounds so, <laughs> so mysterious. Well, yeah, they, they, I mean, it, it was a weird conglomeration. Uh, one, there's one of my all time favorite video games is, is called um, Alan Wake. And it's about this writer who gets kind of sucked into a fantasy dream world. And as he's going through it, he's finding these pages of a book he's never written. And I finished that. And, it, it, you know, is a, a writer. So I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. Uh, then I went to this event and I was at this guy's house and he had books all over and we were talking and, I was, you know, we were talking about Stephen King and a few other writers. And then someone pulled me aside. Hey, hey, you know, he's like a very famous, popular sci-fi writer. I'm, I'm like, no way. And they took me around the corner and he had like 130 books published. Um, <laughs> military sci-fi. He's been doing it for 33 years. Never even gave a clue or an indication. So I'm like, OK, well, there's two happenstance coincidences in the same week. And then I got home that Sunday with the kids and there was a show on. I'm like, okay, 
I, I, Nathan Fillion is in this show. Let's check it out. And it was Castle. And I'm watching. I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's a writer. And I'm like, OK, three things within like four days on a writing. And I've been thinking about it. So uh, the following week, well, it was actually a couple months. I finally got up the courage, sat down and I wrote like 15,000 words the first weekend. Well, wow, you just had it all pent up and it had to be, you know, <laughs> exactly get out there on the page. Well, that's really cool. I'm a I'm a former middle grade reading teacher for uh, English language learners. And so in general, that means I was doing a lot of uh, remediation and also intense instruction uh, because not only were they learning a new language, but they were also, generally speaking, they were not up to grade level on their reading in their own language, um, regardless of where they were starting, Spanish, Portuguese, Chinese, uh, Vietnamese, you know, they just weren't up to grade level on their reading skills. And so, yeah, so I really appreciate authors who write for middle grade readers because they're a unique bunch of people, you know? Yes. Yes. And I didn't start off that way. I mean, I started Mm -hmm. off trying to write a, a superhero type fantasy book, not mm-hmm. really sure of the target market, but I had a several great authors help me, Jay Thorne and Zach Bohannon. I worked with them and they kind of helped me realize uh, that this is what I should write because it all fit my, my writing style, the way mm-hmm. I thought, the stories, all of that. So writing for middle grade wasn't what I planned. It just w- is what I was. Right, right. Well, I tend to, my own writing is more aimed at the middle at the high school crowd or and even now more the new adult but when i did my prequel i definitely reached down into the middle grade genre because my protagonist is around 13 years old you know just at the cusp there and and the two other boys in the book are just a little bit younger than he is and uh anyway they're all on a pirate ship. It, anyway. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Don't we so, all wish we could be on a pirate ship? Right. Well, they were slaves, so maybe not. <laughs> Anyhow. <Right. Okay. laughs> but um, I really, really appreciate that. So do you work with kids this age? I have. And that was where I started discovering my brand. So mm-hmm. I was a Girl Scout leader. I was a Boy Scout and Cub Scout leader uh, mm-hmm. with my kids and um, the the girls in my daughter's troop uh, had a great time doing all of those. I mean, the girls, they didn't want to just sit and do the cutesy little Girl Scout project. Right. Uh, we, we spent a couple months and they actually, with hand tools and everything, built a dollhouse and we donated it to a local um, oh, cool. uh, organization that does therapy and stuff for kids. So they, they loved it. That, that, that was the best project. Forget all the badges and all that. They built a dollhouse and that's you know, what they talk about. That and tracking wow. animals in the snow. Um, and then <laughs> I was also in uh, martial arts uh, and uh, led some of the kids' classes. And so I, I've always worked with kids. And once my kids got a little older, I, I stopped doing that. But I think that's just who I am. And right. that's a large part of what I'm working with, with my brand and the books and some other things uh, to work with kids. Right. So I see that you kind of wrote about encouraging writing as a future income stream for kids, I guess. Yes. One of the things I discovered uh, at Jay, Jay and Zach again, uh-huh. uh, and also working with James L. Rubart uh, a, a bit too, discovered that my brand 
isn't just the the books and stories, the fiction. That is one product of the whole brand. And more what my brain is focused on is working with kids and a little bit with their parents to help prepare the kids. And since I'm a computer guy, I've done computer stuff pretty much all my life. Right. I, I see some different things in the world that we're not really preparing our kids for. So a large part of what I'm doing is trying to reach out to parents through some uh, talks and I'm working on getting some workshops and papers and various things to show them that the the kids have options uh, in their future that they could start working on right now. And writing is one of them. Kids that start writing now can actually get things out. There are avenues for them to get things out. And then once they hit the age of you know, 18 and being out of high school can go to college. There's a lot that go to college. There's some that do a trade, go to trade school. There's some that don't know what they want to do, but any of those choices, they could still write and get a book and have several books. And that's a future job that could keep them some money, regardless of what the work environment is. They're talking about content creation. And as a, as an avenue, I really like that. You know, the students I was working with that might not have been like, um, a natural thing for them to do. But like one of the girls brought me her short story and um, it was a civil war story. And I didn't expect to, you know, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect, but the story itself was so well-written and she, it actually made me cry. It was just that good. And it was like, wow, um, this is, this is so magical. And, and we don't, we don't expect that out of our kids, but we should kind of expect that out of our kids. And kids are great because they don't have the uh, burden of the expectation of, oh my gosh, I should be so much better. Uh, they have imagination. They just, you know, let it come out. Right. And if they're in fifth, sixth grade or younger uh, and they start writing and they get some short stories, maybe work up to a book, by the time they're out of high school, their confidence in their writing would be so much higher than if somebody's just starting then or worse, someone that goes to school for writing or anything else, and then waits till they're 23, 24, you know that it's five to 10 years of work before anything really starts happening with a writing career. Well, here's a kid that's 18 that could already have that career jump started and going. And that, that's what I would love to see is more kids having that to build their confidence so they can see a future where they have some control, not just, I love that. oh my gosh. Yeah, no, I love that because on many of the people that I work with are older writers um, where they've had a career, they've done something else and uh, they come to it kind of late in life. I myself didn't publish a book until my late forties, I think. So right. <laughs> I have to go back yeah. and look at that. And I didn't, you know, I was, I was a teacher. I was a programmer. I worked in real estate. You know, I did all these things as an adult, but I didn't think about writing as something I should be doing until I was a reading teacher. And it was just like, I need to write for these kids because I can write these stories. <laughs> yeah. And, and and a lot of the kids get turned off to reading oh, uh, and, yes. and writing. If they don't read, they're not going to want to write. And some of the books we make them read are awful. <laughs> they're awful. And the kids don't connect to them. I'm not saying they're bad books. There, there's a lot of classics. I am. <laughs> I love. <laughs> well, I'm protecting myself. <laughs> but but if we if we have books that kids can connect to, for example, one of my favorite authors now that I just discovered in the last couple of years is Jeff Strand. Okay. He writes what I what I kind of describe as adult goosebumps. They're comedy horror for the most part. 
And I just clicked and connected and he's written a few YA books and he gets Mm -hmm. teachers that say, you know what? I've got kids, mostly boys that Mm -hmm. don't want to read. They hate reading. They don't do it. I gave them your book. They loved it. And they want another one. So who cares cares if they're reading um, uh, uh, Harper Lee? um, uh, The Kill a Mockingbird. Kill a Mockingbird. (laughs) Who cares if they're reading Kill a Mockingbird? If they're going to read the zombie story and love it, that's getting them into reading, not pushing them away by reading To Kill a Mockingbird, which arguably is a great book, has some great stuff in it. But what's it matter if the kids don't listen and don't read it? <laughs> they don't want to read it. Exactly. I, I, um, well, and, you know, like when I was talking to my seventh and eighth graders who I said, you know, and of course I was trying to teach them to absorb the English language as much as they could. I said, watch the news with the captions on, watch every movie with the captions on, read comic books, please read comic books because they give you so much context in the drawings. Read manga, please just go to the library, get all that stuff with the pictures on the pages and don't feel bad about reading children's books, you know, and then work up to the chapter books and then find something you really like to read. And like, for me, it was John Flanagan, um, in his um, uh, Ranger's Apprentice series that finally turned the key for me. It was like, I love these books. I want to write books like these. And, you know, nice. yeah. so yeah. And my the, the key here is that I was reading with my son and he was into the books. So it nice. was, I was gauging it off of him because I had three daughters before that and they were all readers naturally. And so, but he was like, uh, you know, but once he got into it, man, that was it. Yeah. Um, you you yeah. got to find that thing you connect with. And I, I have friends who the only books they've ever read were the couple they were forced to read in high school or middle school and write a book report. Now I know teachers do that, you know, make mm-hmm. them read, write a book report to try and get them into reading. But if they're forced to do it and read something they don't like, <laughs> it doesn't do anything because these people still don't read to this day. But then right. I have other friends who read constantly. I've got a friend that since I've known him back in middle school, he reads five to 10 books every single week. He's a fast reader. He wow. reads tons and he goes <laughs> to the library. He reads everything and he's a huge reader, you know? So I, I, I feel that we should find books to get kids interested. If you want them to read A Tale of Two Cities, don't start with A Tale of Two Cities. It's right. 150 years old. It can be a little dry oh. and hard to get through. Yeah. But if you start with a zombie book or a, a book about kids making a, a movie, they get into that and they'll discover the other stuff. You know, I, 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 I like the classics. I so. absolutely agree with you. I think to write for this, this age group, you do need kind of a heart for this age group. And you have to be willing to really see the perspective on life and to understand it and tap it. And I don't know that you have to write about uh, protagonists that are this age, but I think you have to somehow get close because um, yeah, they absolutely. like to see themselves in action or just a step ahead. Uh, think about high school, you know, age as well. Right. Um, so I see that you have study guides. Yes, uh, to fit the whole brand, that's part of what I am doing. I'm trying to follow the common core. I'm working with a couple of teachers oh, sorry. <laughs> coming up with uh, words to know and some discussion questions. And then also 
you know, here's some ideas for writing stories. And I always have a little writing lesson, beginning, middle, end, what that means and what each part should contain. And uh, working on pronouns and uh, using um, different parts of the language, but trying to do it in small segments instead of just, you know what, I don't know if there's anybody that has ever really gotten uh, writing lessons learned out of taking a a sentence and diagramming it, it. diagramming (laughs) it. I understand the need for it, but I think sometimes we focus on that too much, but, but they haven't really written enough sentences to understand how that all works. Then I, I, I feel that at a younger grade, they should just worry about writing, not so much about diagramming and what parts of the sentence are, but write some stories so they have it under their belt and experience. And then when they diagram it, it's like, Oh, now I see why that sentence sounds funny or why I should change that sentence. Right. I think we do things backwards occasionally. I I do too. I think that uh, possibly it would be in children's best interest to write their 10,000 words before we really start hitting the technicalities. And then they know they they have a voice maybe even already developed. Uh, Yes. Yes. And and, uh, because that's so important. And how do you know until you've written a lot of words? Absolutely Um, agreed. So a couple of weeks ago, I talked to Christine Daigle about Vela, Kindle Vela, and she's writing, you know, um, kind of a horror book and also, well, horror series, I should say, and also science fiction. And uh, like, I hear that you're venturing into that. Is it the same age group or for adults? Uh, For the same age group. I'm trying to keep it that. And and I'll just say, uh, you mentioned uh, Christine. So Uh for anybody listening to this podcast that listens to some of the other uh, Jay Thorne network of podcasts, I will mention Christine has a great serial fiction show with her co-host JP. So for everybody listening, there's the JP reference. I think it's Um, called the serial fiction show. Yes, that's it. Yes. So... um, (laughs) I, I always have liked uh, the old pulp fiction, which, you know, Conan, Arthur Conan Doyle and the Cthulhu stories and Sherlock Holmes and all those were done in magazines. A lot of times they were done as a weekly thing or a monthly thing. You know, you get parts right. of the story. And I've always loved those. Uh, I like the classic sci-fi stuff from the 50s. I have a small collection. It's just it's a little corny and campy now, but that's kind of what I like. Right. So. I had this idea before Vela even came up that there's a series of books I'm going to be working on and getting out. Um, that's a mystery Scooby-Doo supernatural investigation type thing. Love it. And I had this idea to do a serial fiction, put it on my website, uh, get people coming to the website every week. And I wanted to work again with teachers that, Hey, instead of throwing um a whole book at your kids and that how about every week, a different installment, and then there could be questions and study guide, and then they're not overwhelmed and they, and hopefully they like, Oh good. It's Monday. Let's go get the new episode and see the new episode you know, like it is with, you know, like TV used to be <laughs> right. So, like TV used to be where right. you had to have the TV guide. <laughs> right. So I, I have a, an origin prequel story of those young investigators up that I've been putting on Vela um, and working on that. And it's been fun and going fairly well. Now, I don't know if there's a lot of kids in schools and teachers and homeschool parents using mm-hmm. Vela. So I, I'm just putting it up there as an experiment and to help push myself to get it done. I still want to put it back on my website and offer it uh, as a weekly thing. Maybe they'll all be there, but 
you know, a, a study guide to go with it for encouraging teachers and, you know, the, schedule it every week. So it's something. And I've had other ideas, which may or may not work, where each week uh, I, they would basically, uh, I know it's, it sounds mercenary, but there are costs involved, but each they would sign up for a subscription. And each week I would send the school a vanilla envelope packet printouts mm-hmm. of that week's lesson. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's there by Monday. And then like on Thursday, have a, an online YouTube Q&A or discussion of that week's episode or something like that. And, and of course, that would be recorded. So next year, they could use the ones that are already recorded. Yeah, uh, yeah. So. Well, they could also, you know, you could do that electronically, maybe save yourself the paper and the postage. But well, also, I, you know, um, it could be also a Patreon model might work too. I'm just yes. throwing stuff yeah, out no, here, you know. Absolutely. And I, I would agree with the electronic, but I everything I see still says that the kids want the physical. Oh, the absolutely. I, I was know? just suggesting something that the yeah. teachers would print out. <laughs> yeah. I think I think there's probably a lot of homeschool parents that would be great with using digital. Uh, their kid, there were two or three, five kids, maybe they're working on tablets and stuff mm-hmm. anyway. But I think in a school situation, not all schools would have tablets for the kids or the accounts or uh, whatever. I'm so, sure you found that for your um, your existing books for middle grade, that the paperbacks are what they want. Yes, absolutely. They want that paper book. Uh, yep. they, I, and you know, and I got a Mac and I got a Mac with vellum just so I could format the all book right. and, you know, and get that up because <laughs> I, I knew I was going to be doing a lot of paper books and, and I, I'm getting some printed. I've got some things I'm trying to do in the local communities uh, and setting up some library. I, I'm trying to do workshops for some writing along with like an author talk, not just be, you know, I, I think author kind talks of an can interactive. be great. Yes. But I, I, I tend to think more of the interactive and, you know, uh, a teaching thing and hopefully interesting them. And, and then, you know, talk a little bit about the writing and the book and, you know, hopefully it'll start growing from there. I think you've got a multi-pronged approach. I really like what you're, you're saying as far as building the brand and marketing the, the work and reaching out to the community. If you keep that up, it will grow. It's just, you know, a matter of time getting started and being persistent. Writing Pursuits is run by Catherine McKee, who has been trusted by fiction authors since 2014 to take their writing to a new level of excellence. Catherine is a three-story method certified editor who specializes in story diagnostics, coaching, and line editing to help you prepare your story for the journey ahead. For more information, go to writingpursuits.com. The link is in the show notes. And now back to the podcast. Okay. I guess the library sessions, do you ever get the chance to talk with parents? Yes. So uh, again, uh, I think of the books as one of the products of uh, my whole overall brand. Mm-hmm. And I've got um, some talks that I am doing for parents more so than kids. And mm-hmm. it's targeted toward parents of middle schoolers or younger, you know, working up to middle school to introduce them to the future work world. Uh, I, my, uh, my podcast, I'm going to drop it right here. Discovered wordsmiths. I interview, I interview uh, authors and mm-hmm. I've got a few kids authors on there and um, I try and point to some of those, but I, I want parents to see that again, that the kids have choices because I've had a few authors on there 
that the one lady, she is a comedian. She writes fiction and nonfiction. Mm -hmm. She's written a few screenplays and then gotten the money and stuff together to film it herself, just small movies to put on YouTube. So she has multiple things she's doing. And she says, it's great. I don't have anyone telling me what I have to do on any day at any time. And if I want to take my son on vacation in July, well, in March, April, May, I just book more uh, comedy gigs uh, to, to earn help. the money to go on vacation. Whereas, you know, if you have a nine to five job and someone's telling you how much you're going to work, when, and how much you're going to get paid, you don't have that option to do that. And that's the, yes, I know people always push back. There's downsides to working for yourself and you have to oh, struggle yeah. and you have to go for all these things and you have to, I get that. That's why it's an alternative to going to school, to getting a degree, to getting a job, because that is not for everybody. But I understand, you know, leading an entrepreneur life with multiple streams of income isn't for everybody. But I don't think enough parents understand that it is an option. And there are kids out there that would thrive doing that. Right. Um, and, and along with the, the parent talk about that, I've got a workshop I've been doing to work with kids to teach them video game storytelling for uh, a future career. This is something kind of new. You know, we all think of video games. We think of programmers and maybe some artists and people making these video games. Well, in the last decade or so, narrative storytelling is actually now a job title in the video game world that they right. want writers to write these stories and not just stories, the lines that the characters are saying and how it all works together and uh, tying a story into it. And so this is a, a job. You don't have to know programming. You don't have to know art. You don't have to know game design itself. They're hiring you to do the story. And this is an alternative to add on to do that. And I talked to a guy on the podcast who teaches uh, at a school that for a video game design degree. And this is a new class narrative storytelling that they teach. And he did comics in the nineties. He did uh, video games in the 2000s and now he's teaching and he's like yeah this is something new that more studios are discovering and it's ramping up to more people well it abs absolutely makes sense i i have played video games even though i'm of a certain age but uh my my kids range in age they have a wide there's a wide gap there and so um i i, I say they keep me young but what i've noticed in games like okay, Skyrim, is that based on your decisions, the story can change. But yes. certain things are always going to happen if you go to a certain place. That, that's going to happen. But in between, you're making choices and you're talking to different people and they're telling you things and you're gathering information. You're creating your own story. But at the same time, there's a story that has to be there a framework yes. so it's kind of like choose your own adventure in a way yeah um, and i've always been amazed one of my older kids played red dead redemption, redemption but i Western. was amazed at the storytelling that yeah. was underneath all of that and um you know i know those are for adults but it's still amazing what you know what is necessary to make those engaging and keep people coming back and wanting to play it again in a different way to right. see what will happen and so that you play it more than once <laughs> and those are examples of really heavy story based type of interactive rpg adventure type games mm -hmm. but even other games like uh there's a game called cuphead which is kind of an old school I've heard of that platformer type 
ish game and it doesn't have really much story. It's a little story. And when I talked to Evan, he was called in to help make sure the story worked because writers not just have the training it, it's to make sure there's the right uh, points for a conflict the right uh that it makes sense that things are presented in the right order those are mm-hmm. as important and and the lines themselves because a lot of times with video games especially the ones that have like words on the screen you got to make it fit so sometimes you have to adjust sentences so it fits and then you got games like all the first person shooters that the story is not so much there it's just okay you and your team go and defeat the other guy's right, team right but if you have npcs which are non-player characters in there they may shout lines and they're like okay we need these each one of these hundred characters to have 50 different lines uh, for the voice actors to record. And you have to come up with 50 different lines that each character would say unique. And then the voice actors record each of those like a dozen different ways. So you get that variety. So it's, it, it's <laughs> little things like that, that they want storytellers to come in and help do to make it more interesting. Uh, programmers are l- more limited in that regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why it's expanding. Wow. Wow. So what, uh, do you write full time or do you have another like job in real life? I would say. Uh, yeah. In real life, I still <laughs> do a uh, uh, computer programming, mm-hmm. uh, mostly consultant work. Um, and I write uh, when, you know, mornings, uh, evenings, weekends, and I try and book, get the workshops. It's a, it's a lot, uh, it is especially a lot. with the podcast and, you know, everything else. So uh, I get that all in, but I've got, I've been writing for several years. I've got several things built up. I I need to finish a few things, Mm -hmm. but I've got uh, several different books and series ready to go uh, and come out, get them finished up. So I, over the next couple of years, it's going to be like from zero to 60. Very (laughs) quickly. That's so exciting though. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, that's, that's great. Uh, My, my first career was in, was in systems engineering. And so <laughs> back with the EDS and mostly business, of course. So, but I've been amazed and excited by the uh, the growth of IT and what all that means to yeah. us in everyday life now. And so, you know, we just, uh, we take this, this internet thing is ubiquitous, you know, the browsers and all that. But I remember when it didn't exist. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I got to see the whole thing grow and I've just been so excited by it. Um, and, uh, and I tried to stay, keep my hand in, you know, do my own websites and stuff like that. Some of the, I found a lot of the um, interviews I've done with other authors, there are a lot of computer people that are turning to writing for their creativity, that there's more creativity sometimes in programmers than you would realize. And I also found that a lot of writers also do things like play music uh, mm-hmm. or, or the comedian, you know, other creative endeavors too. It's not just the one thing writing, not that doesn't pertain to everybody, obviously, but, uh, I just found it interesting that there's more than I would have anticipated. Oh no, that's, that's definitely true. Um, I think you have to use both sides of your brain when you're uh, programming. Um, I really do. Absolutely. So I think that's why it's, uh, it's attractive to musicians. It's attractive to artists and writers. And well, I consider those the same thing, all those things, the same thing, but you have to use your artistic side to do the analytical side and to bring the thing together to make a a friendly system for users to use. So I think it's, 
I think it's related, uh, definitely. Yeah, the creatives definitely. Um, it, it's interesting though, all the analytical minds that uh, have the creativity juice. It, you know, you always Absolutely. think of those as two separate things, but it's really not. No, so like all you school people out there, you keep those creative programs going because that's where the that's where the brilliance comes out. Keep those things going. Uh, you know, the art and music programs. You just gotta. Uh, Anytime they talk about cutting those, I go, oh, don't do that. I know. Oh, that's a whole discussion right there. It is. It is. It is. Well, I so appreciate you coming on the program. I'm going to keep it, you know, about this length because I like people to to be able to listen to it on their way to town. Yep. Yeah. Here we don't measure in distances. We measure in time in this area. So uh, that sounds like a Doctor Who thing. So (laughs) that's right. That's right. Uh, I'm not going to claim to go back in time, but you know, yesterday. Thank you, Stephen. I really appreciate it. Is there any place that you would like to send people? My website, uh, I'm keep changing, adding, updating, uh, sa-schneider.com. I, I know Schneider is not the easiest to spell. I, I'm looking to get uh, something else, but it works. I, I've got uh, some resources on there for parents and teachers, and I keep adding more, and I'm getting links to the stories and books that are going out. And Excellent. I've got uh, updates on talks and where I'm giving them. And, and so hopefully as you know, every month goes by, there's updates and changes and more things on there. Well, you've really, you've really set the bar high with writing for Vela because <laughs> that'll keep you, that'll really keep you busy. Right. Uh, well, the good news is I started with like 16 chapters already written. That helps. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I feel like that's the way it ought to be in podcasting too. Um, I'm always on the, the, you know, I'm always on the cutting edge. How's that? <laughs> Got it. Yeah, understand that. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Stephen. Have a great day. Thanks, Catherine. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a comment and follow the podcast. If you're new around here, I hope you will sign up for the weekly newsletter, Writing Pursuits tips for authors. That link and all the links mentioned in today's episode are in the show notes at writingpursuits.com. Please join us on Wednesdays for new episodes and keep writing, my friends. Keep writing. Keep writing.